Wire to Wire is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Obviously, we're about to be talking NFL and the waiver wire here on Wire to Wire, but guess what? There aren't just NFL tickets on game time. NBA, NHL, you can get access to both of those leagues with their seasons still in the early going. Music, theater, concert, whatever you're looking for, you can find it on game time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. Everyone, welcome in it to Wire to Wire for Week Ten. One more Week Nine game still left to play: Cowboys and Giants on Monday Night Football. But we are turning the fantasy football page over to Week Ten and to the waiver wire for one of our last weeks, starting the final month of the fantasy football regular season, at least a typical fantasy football regular season, ending in Week Thirteen. I'm Michael Beller, joined by my co-host on Wire to Wire, Brandon Funston. Brandon, how we do it? Headed into Week Ten. Hey man, it's week ten. We've hit the double digits. We're in the uh, we're in the holiday vortex now. So starting with Halloween and you know Thanksgiving on the horizon, and next thing you know, you're Christmas shopping, and boom, this this is the time of year that'll go really fast. So uh, congratulations. We are uh, we are looking at the you know we're looking at the slippery slope for the end of the year here. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I've got uh, Hanukkah and Christmas at the same time this year, too. So we've really got uh, a uh, yeah, really fun uh, holiday season, I think, uh, coming up. And it is it is that time of year where um, where where things start to uh, get really serious for fantasy football owners. So hopefully if you do need some help on the waiver wire, we're going to help you find that over the next uh, 40 minutes or so here in this edition of Wire to Wire. You can find uh, Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You can find me on Twitter at M. Beller. Don't forget about Brandon's uh, basketball show if you're a fantasy basketball player. Dunks and Dimes with Eric Wong. Uh, Funston, how's that going? How's basketball season treating you guys? It's going very well. I, I said on the last show uh, that uh, I used Eric's rankings for uh, my leagues, and I'm and I'm doing pretty good to start things off, and he's doing very well, and uh, he's just a, a bastion of knowledge when it comes to fa- fantasy basketball. Uh, we always uh, review what he's written about during the week on The Athletic, and then we we last week we opened up the mailbag, did a bunch of mailbag questions. We'll probably continue to do that. So if you're a fantasy hoops fan, uh, shoot us a shoot us a question, and maybe it'll show up on the podcast this Friday. Yeah, dunks and dimes every Friday for you with Brandon and Eric. Uh, in case uh, you're listening to this in the free universe, first of all, thank you for for listening. Uh, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe if you like what we're hearing. It really does help us. Uh, it helps the shows get out a little bit faster as well. Get to you uh, a little quicker if you just rate, review, and subscribe. We really appreciate that. And if you are listening in the free universe, you can still get forty percent off an annual subscription if you check out the Athletic. 
com slash wire to wire that brings you every single thing we do at the athletic not just fantasy not just nfl uh, college football nba nhl all of our podcasts all of our print college basketball season uh, 24 hours away from tipping off we've got a ton of coverage there uh, obviously uh, major league baseball into its off season but the hot stove uh, hopefully is going to heat up a little earlier this year than it has in recent years we'll have great coverage of that for you as well so the athletic.com slash wire to wire you can get 40 percent off an annual subscription we now turn our attention to the week 10 waiver wire it's going to be an important one uh, brandon we're going to be talking about this a lot i think on the ranking show with jake seeley on wednesday we've got six teams on by this week patriots texans Jaguars, Broncos, Eagles, and Redskins. So a big bye week for us here in week 10. We look at our top three plays on the waiver wire this week. And Brandon, the first one, fantasy football community just can't quit him. Ronald Jones gets to the top of the list for week 10. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I was obviously as a Seahawks fan, I was very tuned into that game. And, and Jones was impressive. Look, at Seattle hasn't been great uh, in run defense this year. Jones was breaking tackles. He looked good. I was I was cursing his name uh, a few times. And the and the one thing I came out of that game going, man, Peyton Barber wasn't even a thing in this game, and he wasn't even. He had I think he had four carries, fifteen yards. Sure feels like Ronald Jones is maybe moving into the clear forefront in this uh, in this backfield. And and Dari Ogunbowale stole a uh, stole a touchdown, but um, a one yard run there. But uh, you know maybe. Going forward, Ronald Jones, uh, you know, gets the majority of the goal line work as well. It could work out to be a nice kind of, uh, you know, if if not, you know, fully an RB2 level guy, at least someone that you can feel very good about throwing in your flex, especially this week uh, with so many teams on by. Yeah, and they've got a, a nice matchup with the Arizona Cardinals where we should expect a ton of points going up on the board on both sides of that one. And the, the Daria Gumbawale touchdown, that was, that was the one that tied the game, right, right, right at the end of regulation. Yeah, and they did it right. as like a quick snap. Yeah, after quick snap. They just they just completed a pass. They didn't want Seattle to get ready, and so they Ogunbowale was on the field. But if they had been more traditional and maybe like ran a play in and called it, maybe Ronald Jones runs out there and Ogunbowale is not the guy on the field for that one. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, it was uh, they were in obvious passing situation. It was Mike Evans down to the one, and then they just uh, quick snapped it. Ogunbowale ran it in, but I wouldn't think uh, take that as any sort of sign that Ronald Jones is not going to have goal line duty going forward. And then you hit the nail on the head with Peyton Barber uh, when I was actually putting the rundown together earlier, uh, or not earlier, yesterday uh, during the early games. Um, I you know just automatically had both Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber in there. Then I circled back after the game was over and I took Peyton Barber out because of how little of a of a role he had for Tampa Bay in that game against Seattle. So Ronald Jones, our top guy, and gets the Cardinals next week. So a guy who you can pick up on the waiver wire and get right into your lineup in Week 10. Uh, let's jump to Devontae Parker, uh, a guy who we've talked about a lot in Wire to Wire this season. Had six targets, caught four of them for 57 yards and a touchdown in Miami's first win of the season, coming at the expense of the New York Jets. Preston Williams had himself a big game there as well, but also left with a knee injury that could open up significantly more volume for Devonte Parker. You put those two things together. The fact that he's had a pretty solid role all season. Now Williams injury that helps get him as our number two play on the waiver wire this week. Yeah. Devonte Parker is funny. He's had six games of 50 or more yards. That's as many as Deandre Hopkins and Julio Jones. I mean, he doesn't get a whole lot more than that. Like he hasn't had the, the big hundred yard game, but he's also had, you know, touchdowns in four of his last five games. And I was just looking at his, is weekly uh, where he's where he's finished in fantasy points, half PPR among receivers. 
Uh, he's been as high as 11. He's been 16. He's been 18. He's been 23. He's been 35. He's been 49. He's been 56. And in week two, he had that seven target, zero catch game. So that's kind of weighing things down. I think it's stained, you know, early on. It gave us an, an, an impression of him that he is just completely unreliable. And I think if you think about where uh, myself and maybe Jake are ranking these guys, we're, we're probably typically putting them in the, you know, in the wide receiver 40 to 50 range. Really, Devontae Parker's been a wide receiver three who, if you look at the overall week-to-week consistency, other than that New England game, you could say this guy, he just belongs as a flex consideration or even a wide receiver three consideration every week. So, uh, you know, and if, if Preston Williams is out with this knee injury, he's getting an MRI today, um, then, you know, this is going to probably be even bigger things for him. But he certainly belongs on rosters, in my opinion. Yeah, without Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, uh, the obvious wide receiver one for Miami. They've been pretty equal in terms of everything. Uh, Receptions, targets, uh, yards, yards per target, yards per catch. Uh, Parker's had a little bit more touchdown upside, but it's been a pretty obvious situation where they are co-equal number one receivers for Miami. If Preston Williams is out, Devontae Parker becomes the unquestioned number one receiver for Miami. And uh, a Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's got his charms, he's got his faults, but uh, he definitely can drive a productive passing game we've seen that from him in multiple stops in his career and we've seen it from him this season in Miami that gets Parker into our top three the final guy in our top three another receiver another guy who's taking advantage of injury situations it is Zach Pascal in Indianapolis T.Y. Hilton missed the game uh, with a calf injury in week nine the narrow loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers Pascal caught five of six targets for 76 yards and a touchdown he's got three touchdowns in his last three games a dud uh last week two week two games ago last week in week eight but a couple of big games sandwiched around that one dud gets the Dolphins next week Uh, so Pascal and Parker going to be on the field together and Funston we've seen these soft tissue leg injuries for T.Y. Hilton it's been a theme of his career this could be a situation where he is out for more than just the game he missed this week yeah and the thing is if ty hilton misses a game it's a legit injury because from everything i've heard the guy is an absolute warrior and will will play if he can possibly play but um this has kind of been something that's plagued him and now he's been out again so you got to wonder about what that means for his you know his reliability with that injury going forward maybe it's another dmp or two but uh Pascal seems to be an opportunist when these kind of things happen with Hilton because, uh, you know, he's step, we've seen him step up in the past. Uh, the one thing I would say is that I think he's a limited ceiling guy. And if I was actually no, if I knew that T.Y. Hilton was going to be missing like the next week or, or two or whatever, I'm not so sure if I'm sitting there looking at Pascal and I'm also looking at Paris Campbell that I'm going to for sure go Pascal. It just kind of might det- depend on the makeup of my team because I think. Paris Campbell has the higher ceiling. Uh, like you look at Pascal, he hasn't been targeted more than seven times in a game. You mentioned that dud. He had one other dud where he had one catch and under 10 yards. So he's had two of those kind of games. But the thing I liked about Paris Campbell is he, you know, he had five targets. Uh, I think he had 53 receiving yards. We also had the three carries for 27 yards. And I can see that being a thing uh, going forward now that he's healthy. So I think there's a there's a Colts receiver that we have to be interested in right now. I'm kind of working through whether I think that's Paris Campbell or Zach Pascal. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a fair uh, comment for sure. And we'll get to Paris Campbell when we get to the wide receivers. He's someone who you're going to want to have on your radar this week. Uh, but we've seen Pascal in the sort of role that uh, Indy leans on him. I also like the fact that he's done it with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, yesterday, he had to do it with Brian Hoyer. So it seems like uh, the quarterback, whoever it's going to be for Indianapolis, depending on Brissett's injury, isn't going to have too much of a, a effect on Pascal's value. A lot of it's going to hinge on T.Y. Hilton's calf and when he is able to to return for Indy. So those are our top three, Ronald Jones, Devontae Parker, and Zach Pascal for week 10 as you start preparing your waiver wire bids. Now we jump into our position-by-position look at the rest of the wire. We start at running back, and we start with a couple of guys who are on bye this week, the Los Angeles Rams, Daryl Henderson, and Malcolm Brown. Now Malcolm Brown went into the bye having missed a couple of games in a row with an ankle injury. In those two games, Daryl Henderson played about 50% of the snaps for the Rams, got 22 carries, turned it into 80 yards, Three catches on four targets for 28 yards. Uh, we we know, uh, to me, Funston, the biggest buy of this situation is the fact that, I mean, Gurley's topping out at what? Maybe a 50, 55% touch share. So there's going to be opportunities for whoever the number two running back is for the Rams. I think that makes uh, Henderson and Brown both ownable at this point. The question is, is who's it going to be and how many opportunities exactly is he going to get? But I still think you want to make a claim for these guys with the situation being what it is with Todd Gurley. Coming up, you get the Steelers, the Bears, and the Ravens. Those are some good defenses. Uh, but if I look at that, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to decide, well, who makes more sense? To me, it's the guy who's going to have better utility in the passing game. Um, and to me, that's Daryl Henderson. And he's, you know, you've mentioned 22 carries, 80 yards in his last two games. He's done some, you know, a little bit of work out, out of the backfield in the passing game. It's the weird thing is the Rams haven't been thrown to their running backs a whole lot, but I think they're going to have to uh, through this next stretch. So for me, it's Daryl Henderson. If I'm, uh, you know, if I'm speculating on which of these two guys I want to pick up. Yeah, I agree with you completely there. Henderson's going to have a passing uh, role uh, for this team, no matter what. And at the very least he's proved, I think even though the numbers don't jump out at you, that he can be um, an effective enough runner for them to take some of the brunt away uh, from Todd Gurley. So I prefer Henderson. I would put in a claim for both of them, depending on you know roster construction and and uh, league size and and all that uh, all that sort of stuff that goes into the way we make these decisions. But I would have the preference for Daryl Henderson. How about Darius Geis Funston back at practice uh, already for Washington? They have a bye this week, but Geis could be returning uh, as early as Week Eleven. Uh, we know that they got to know what they have in, in Darius Geis. They can't go into 2020 uh, having no idea of what this very high pick in the 2018 draft is going to mean to their team. So even though he's had a couple of knee injuries and has only played one game in his NFL career, I think that if and when he's healthy, you've got to fire him up if you're Washington as your unquestioned starting back and forget about Adrian Peterson, forget about Chris Thompson. You've got to learn what you've got in Darius Geis, even though you're going to be nowhere near the playoffs this season. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that for sure. I mean, and hat tip to Adrian Peterson. I mean, the guy's averaging, I think, over 90 rushing yards his last four games. He's doing well, and there's been some tough spots that he's done them against. Um, but you're right. I mean, one game for Darius Geis in, in two seasons almost here. Like, you don't know that this guy can put together three, four games at a time staying healthy. I mean, nothing he's done so far uh, has – you know, has led us to believe that. So if you're going into year three, you need to know what Darius guys can do. If he can handle a work workload for multiple games in a row. And so if he's healthy, then maybe, you know, maybe for the first couple of weeks after he returns, they're not going to like really lay it on him. But I'd be surprised if the last three to four games of the season, he's not the clear go-to guy they're pushing, you know, they're giving him basically Adrian Peterson's workload that he has right now. And, you know, 
Peterson probably doesn't deserve it, but he's going to have to probably just be content to sit back and let them see what they have in Darius guys. And, and, you know, in the very limited, well, the one game that we saw and just what we've, you know, know about him. I mean, Geis is an exciting running back and uh, we'd be looking forward to see him over like, you know, a three or four game view to see what he can do here. Yeah, first three games out of the bye. So beginning in week 11, they play the Jets, Lions, and Panthers. Again, I'd be more interested in Geis. We talked about this last week. Uh, if I were someone who was, you know, seven and two, six and three or better, I guess, uh, than if I was someone who was sitting at three and six or four and five. Uh, but I do think that if I'm, if I'm marshalling resources for the fantasy playoffs, Darius Geis is someone who is very interesting to me going into uh, the waiver period for Week 10. How about Trey Edmonds, Funston? Uh, led the Steelers excuse me, in carries uh, in their win over the Colts in Week 9. 12 carries for 73 yards. Jalen Samuels had a huge game through the air as expected. Uh, their next two games, when we talk two because of James Conner, are the Rams and the Browns. So uh, middle-of-the-road matchups perhaps, but uh, we got to believe Edmonds is going to have some short-term value for as long as Conner's out. Of course, the complicating factor is once Conner is back in for Pittsburgh, Edmonds' value goes back to nil. Yeah, and, and Edmonds will have no utility in the passing game, obviously, with Jalen Samuels catching 13 of 13 targets. But And, and the other thing we got to say is Trey Edmonds, I think it was his first carry, he ran for 45 yards. He was basically untouched. Uh, he went like 11 for 28 after that. Uh, he's not a very like exciting runner, but he's a big guy. He's north-south. He is a high-motor guy. And, and you know, and look at really, anybody who's going to get 10 or more touches in a Pittsburgh backfield is a guy that I'm interested in because this has always been a, a lucrative piece of property. You know, if you're playing Monopoly, the Pittsburgh backfield is coming down the hope you know, it's coming down the home stretch. It's either a green property or, you know, maybe it's not boardwalk or park place, but it's a pretty high rent district. So I want, I want action on whoever's getting touches in that backfield. So if it's Trey Edmonds, you know, getting the majority of the carries for the next couple of weeks, and you're talking about a week in which we have six teams on by absolutely interested in that. I just don't want, you know, we don't want to oversell this guy's talent, but it's it's okay to oversell that, that Pittsburgh is always a good place to play running back at. Yeah, definitely a good spot for a back. And uh, the fact that he did get those 12 carries suggests uh, that this is how they're going to be used, they being Edmonds and Samuels, for as long as Connor is out. J.D. McKissick, uh, the last guy who I really want to talk about here, uh, four carries, three catches. He gave you 72 uh, yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. What I find intriguing about McKissick Funston is that we know he's uh, he's a guy who's going to be dangerous as a receiver. Got four targets uh, in the game and had that for 40 yards and a touchdown and could, could approach maybe 10 opportunities per game in a very pass-friendly Lions offense. The Lions are uh, reportedly working out backs. Uh, apparently, Jay Ajayi was in for a for a workout, and that could make him someone who you throw a very uh, low-value claim on this week. But you put McKissick in this offense, we still have a lot of buys coming up over the next couple of weeks. I think he's got some flex value because of his receiving ability and what this Lions offense is going to be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, this this team has, you know, I think, you know, Daryl Bevel there, they they talked about wanting to be one of the most run heavy teams in the league. Uh, you know, I think if they had their druthers, they would have been, but they just can't run the ball that well. You know, it's been carry on Johnson was having a hard time and uh, you know, Ty Johnson's not getting anything really done there. And and I think as we go forward, you're gonna see them more and more just embrace what what their talents are. And that's with Stafford throwing the ball to Galladay and, and Jones and, and now mixing in JD McKissick. He's, you know, he's basically, I believe at one point in his NFL career, he was a wide receiver. Um, but uh, he's, 
he's certainly got the skills as a change of pace, uh, third down type of back. And, and those guys, you know, those guys are always valuable in fantasy, you know, the Tariq Cohen's and the Chris Thompson's and, and the James White's. I mean, those guys are always up there. Duke Johnson's are always, you know, doing well because of those, if you're playing any kind of PPR bumped league that, uh, that works out very well for you. So I can see him having a consistent role in that kind of capacity going forward for sure. It's a great environment for him in Detroit. And you look at this week, Sony Michelle, James White, Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, Leonard Fournette, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, Adrian Peterson, all on by. So if you are someone who is going to need to reach to the waiver wire to find a running back starter, J.D. McKissick, because of his receiving value, someone who you're not going to want to just pass over. Uh, again, we list the, the handcuffs uh, of note uh, with this being handcuff season. Uh, so if you own the starter or if you're just looking for a speculative ad, uh, these guys could all be played into huge roles should the starter go down with injury. Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Reggie Bonifon, Ryquel Armstead, Gus Edwards, Wayne Gallman, and Rashad Penny. All handcuffs worth grabbing whether you have the starter or you don't. I would say uh, handcuffs you need to grab if you do have the starter. You don't want to be a uh, Delvin Cook owner, have him go down with an injury, and not have Alexander Madison to turn to just as an example. I think all these guys uh, check that box where uh, the, the starter owner Definitely wants the backup because he steps right into that role and inherits it. So uh, make sure you are taking a look at your necessary handcuffs as we go into week 10. Let's hit up the wide receiver position, Funston. We already talked about Paris Campbell, so let's uh, start with him. Uh, you, you mentioned that he had five catches for 53 yards. Those were all five of his targets in the game against the Colts. I guess you pretty much hit all the reasons uh, why you are interested in him. So I guess compare him to some of the other top uh, uh, waiver targets, uh, Preston Williams, Mohamed Sanu, Auden Tate. Where would you put Paris Campbell among this group of guys? Well, I guess a big it probably honestly third uh, because I think, but that's, we don't know what, what's going on with Preston Williams's knee. If he's going to miss any time, that would maybe be dependent. I think Campbell is, is maybe someone that you just, if you had the luxury of a bench bench spot to, you know, roll the dice on a lottery ticket to me, he's a lottery ticket because he's so talented because there could be opportunity there with T Y Hilton because the, you know, he can do the stuff where he, they, they use him on reverses and running in the ball and kind of have that, you know, sort of Percy Harvin utility to him. Um, and maybe they explore that a little bit more going forward, especially with the quarterback injury situation. So I think he's an X factor. And, you know, for some fantasy owners, it's fun to go ahead and just, you know, try to see if you can hit on an X factor guy like that. But I think in terms of if Preston Williams is healthy and Auden Tate's healthy, I feel good about their week to week target share and the fact that they're going to, those are bad teams. They're going to have to throw a week in and week out. All right, so let's talk about those two guys. How do you handle Preston Williams right now? Because uh, five grabs on nine targets for 72 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, if if he were if he were not dealing with this knee injury, he would have been one of our top three guys. I mean, we would have had to talk about him right alongside Devontae Parker. So let's say we get no I I information by the time we have to lock in our waiver claims on how serious this knee issue is. How do you handle your Preston Williams bids uh, over the next couple of days? Well, I think it depends on who's available for you. We're going to talk about Mohamed Sanu. Like if Mohamed Sanu is available and I have Preston Williams, I'm not waiting to I'm not waiting to find the news on on Williams because I don't think I don't think Preston Williams even if he's 100% healthy is going to outproduce what Sanu will do going forward for the Patriots. Um and I think you got to, you know, it, it's kind of you got to look at that. Like if Preston Williams is healthy, um 
if the guy is close, if the guy's close and you feel like he's going to produce like Preston Williams has going forward, then I think you make the move because then you're going to get the same player at least without having to, you know, have take on that injury risk. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, hopefully we get some uh, some information on where Preston Williams stands. It'd be nice to have that clarity for both him and for uh, Devontae Parker uh, over the next couple of days. But uh, I do like both of these guys, and I see where Mohamed Sanu uh, fits into the picture. Uh, Auden Tate as well. Uh, we're sort of bouncing around all these guys. So uh, let, let, let's talk about Tate before we talk about uh, Mohamed Sanu. Bengals were on bye um, this past week. Uh, Auden Tate didn't play week one, and then week two he played sparingly, only had two targets every game since then. So that's six games for the Bengals. He's had six or more targets per game, uh, or in every game. Uh, he's had uh, 8.7 targets per game. Uh, total numbers there are 26 catches for on 52 targets for 385 yards and a touchdown. Uh, per game, that comes out to 4.3 catches, 8.7 targets, and 64.2 yards. You extrapolate that to 16 games, and the guy's playing at a 69-catch, 1,026-yard pace uh, over these last six games. Why can't he catch on, Funston? Well, I don't know. And then you, if you want to throw another you know, enhancement, enticement into the whole deal, is that this upcoming schedule is is fantastic. I was just looking at you know points allowed to receivers – his next four games, every one of those teams has allowed, you know, top 14 most fancy points. And the Steelers have been getting a lot better. They're in that mix. So, uh, but you look at the other teams, they're all top 11 in, in being the most generous with the Raiders and the Jets being very particularly generous. So, like, there's some good opportunities going forward. There's a lot of, you know, target opportunities for him, as you mentioned. There's, and, you know, we know, we know this is a team playing catch up all the time. I don't know why he's not catching on, but. If he hasn't yet, I suspect over these next, you know, couple weeks, it's going to happen for him. Yeah, we'll have to uh, watch this team very closely uh, in Week Ten. We know Ryan Finley is taking over as the starter for Andy Dalton, and all signs point to AJ Green making his season debut in Week Ten. So we could have a changing of the guard in Cincinnati coming up, but Auden Tate has done uh, more than enough, I think, to earn the trust and respect of the fantasy community. He'd be a wide receiver who I'd be chasing in any league where he was available to me. How about Mohamed Sanu, Funston? Uh, you mentioned that you you think he's going to be a more productive guy than a lot of these players who we've already talked about. Had 14 targets in the loss to New England, caught or lost to Baltimore. Caught 10 of them for 81 yards and a touchdown. Here's where I would caution about Mohamed Sanu. Number one, he's never going to be the number one pass catcher in New England. That is always going to be Julian Edelman. You've got a running back in James White who has a heavy role in the passing game. And while the numbers from last night certainly jump out, that was a game where the uh, the Patriots were down by two scores in the blink of an eye. It was a, a negative game script the entire time. And I think that drove a lot of uh, what we saw from Sanu, at least in terms of usage. So I guess convince me why I'm wrong. Why should I be making Mohamed Sanu more of a priority than I am inclined to do just by looking at what he did last night? Yeah, well, obviously he had a great game last night, but it was, uh, I think he's going to be the number two. Like, I, I think, you know, the number two receiver in, in this offense, you know, I, I think he's going to be at least Josh Gordon's value, if not better, uh, because maybe you do a little bit more. You can kind of, you, you can target him in different spots of the field a little bit more than you can with Josh Gordon. I think overall, he's probably a little bit better route runner, if not a, you know, not a more physically opposing guy that's able to go up and win contested balls. I think in this offense, with what they're going to ask him to do, it's going to be more that we're going to run these plays where we move you around and, you know, and it's almost like, it's almost like he's a tight end, you know, like they they threw to him a lot of spots where, um, where it was a big play, they need a big play, and you know, and they were 
throwing underneath. And, and to me, he's just like someone that just fits right in Tom Brady's wheelhouse. And uh, so for me, I know it's going to be different game scripts going forward, but I, I expect that we're going to see at least a little better version of Muhammad Sanu than what we saw in Atlanta, where you're going to get probably a regular six catches and, and 60 to 70 yards. And then he doesn't have a huge ceiling because he's not that kind of receiver, but I think he's going to be a decent compiler, not in the uh, Julian Edelman level, but something not terribly far behind. I mean, it'll be back there, but I, I think he's going to have week in and week out usability. Yeah, they both had 10 catches in that game last night, so you like the fact that uh, he is he, he can produce alongside a also-producing uh, Julian Edelman. They do have a bye this week, so uh, maybe you don't go too aggressive if you need immediate help. Uh, Mohamed Sanu not going to be able to provide that for you in Week 10, and keep in mind Philip Dorsett still has his role, and Nikhil Harry could be making his uh, NFL debut any uh, week now as he is back at practice, uh, been on IR all season with a knee injury, but uh, this is a guy who they took in the first round and could be uh, ready to make his debut in week 11. Two more guys who I want to talk about here, Funston, before we turn over to the tight end position. Uh, Kenny Stills is the first one. Uh, The Texans also have a bye this week. He had four catches, all four of his targets for 52 yards uh, in week nine over in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Is there ever going to be a time where we feel super comfortable playing Kenny Stills, or is this a guy who you've got bye weeks and you throw him in, or you see a good matchup, or maybe he can pop one big play and you throw him in, but you're never really fully comfortable in what he's going to give you week in and week out. Yeah. I mean, I think we were all excited about his potential with Will Fuller being down and it just hasn't happened for him so far. And, and yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like, you, you're not going to get consistency. I don't like his schedule when he comes back, he hit the Ravens, the Colts and the Patriots. It's not like a get rich, get rich schedule there where, you know, those teams aren't going to give up the big plays that Kenny Stills is apt to make. So, um, yeah, I think we it's been a bit of a buzzkill so far for him, and now you get the buy. So I think kind of, you know, considering him in the same lens as we kind of did coming into the season, that he is a, you know, a bye week filler, a matchup opportunist. And um, I think overall his talent's a little bit more than that. It's just not, it's just not proving out on the field right now. Yep, I, I totally hear you there, and uh, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of him uh, against Jacksonville uh, over in London. It felt like a game where uh, maybe it could have been, could have set up, or it did set up pretty well for him, and just didn't quite deliver uh, the, the sorts of numbers that uh, get you excited about uh, about him uh, going forward. And as you mentioned, the buy and then the tough schedule right after it makes Kenny Stills a low value waiver wire play in Week Ten. On the other side of that game, Chris Conley caught two balls for 32 yards. I do like the fact that he had seven targets and D.D. Westbrook still dealing with neck and shoulder injury. So that could give Chris Conley some value. Now, of course, the complicating factor, he also has a buy in week 10. I like Conley better than Stills, but I like every other guy we've talked about more than both of them. Are you in the same boat, uh, same boat there? Are we, uh, are we going to come to terms with it's probably going to be Nick Foles in week 11 when they come back? Yeah, I mean, I think we might have to. We're definitely going to have to talk to Jake about that on Wednesday. Yeah, well, I can't remember what it so Foles. What did he go out in week one? Was it before halftime? Was it oh, after it was, halftime? It was definitely before halftime. It might have been the it first was before quarter. before halftime, but but Foles threw a touchdown. Do I want to say was it DJ Shark or was it, was, it Conley? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Almost positive it was Shark. Okay, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the quarterback issue is there and what DD Westbrook's health is going to be like down the stretch. But I like Conley, um, and I. I'm probably with you. I think it's, 
I think it's close. I mean, I think Conley, we don't have to worry as much about the like Westbrook. We know is probably is going to be there at some point. Like I think with Kenny Stills, if Will Fuller comes back in the next couple of weeks, like Kenny Stills just completely goes away. I don't think you can say that about Conley. I think there's more like potential for regular consistency with Conley, no matter what happens externally around him. Uh, whereas I think Stills, his value is almost completely dependent upon Fuller being out. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. And, uh, you know, Chris Conley was a guy who started to build some sleeper buzz uh, late in the summer. And part of that was based on the uh, relationship he was developing with Nick Foles. So I think if if Foles does take over as the starter in week 11 or, or when he's healthy, that that only boosts uh, Conley's value. Just to close the loop on that, it was DJ Chark who caught that touchdown pass from uh, from Nick Foles in week one before Foles went out with the collarbone injury, but uh, I agree. I think all signs point to Nick Foles likely taking over the starting job when he is ready. And that to me is a boost for Chris Conley. Got a a list of a few guys. So you might want to consider if you can't get any of these others, or if you're in a deeper league where you're reaching for a little bit farther down the line receivers, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson, Cole Beasley, guys we've talked about quite a bit. You should know where they fit in your league at this point. Russell Gage, uh, take over as the slot receiver in Atlanta uh, after they traded Mohamed Sanu in his first game without Sanu. Got eight targets, caught seven of them for 58 yards. We've seen Ola B.C. Johnson pop up for the Vikings. Adam Thielen had to leave uh, their loss to the Chiefs with his hamstring injury. Played, I believe, seven snaps before calling it a day. So Johnson could have a larger role for Minnesota over the next couple of weeks. And then pay attention to how Darius Slayton is used on Monday night against Dallas. We've seen him come up with a couple of big games. Uh, Didn't have a ton of targets last week, but caught two touchdowns. uh, Made the absolute most of those targets. Obviously, we know a whole lot of uh, competition for targets there with Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, uh, Sterling Shepard will make his return from concussion this week, and Golden Tate. So just keep an eye on how they're using Darius Slayton against Dallas. Maybe he factors into the deep league mix. Funston, we actually have some tight ends to talk about this week, and I think we got to start with Mike Gesicki. Uh, Six catches for 95 yards in Week 9. Are we ready to put him in that group of tight ends that, uh, hey, if you don't got one of the big ones, maybe Gesicki is someone who you can start and roll with for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, look at his line over the last four weeks. Had a fifty-one-yard game, a forty-one-yard game. Last week was just two for ten catch or for ten yards. But then the big one, I his all of this production that I'm talking about, where he's been forty-plus in three of his last four games, has basically been in line with Ryan Fitzpatrick being the quarterback there. So uh, you have to be encouraged about that. Gasicki's not a guy that you have to, you know, really try to convince me to get on board with because the guy is like a sick athlete i mean he's a ridiculous athlete he's big he's everything uh that you want in a tight end he can block better but uh in terms of fantasy he has all the tools and so maybe ryan fitzpatrick's helping him finally kind of tap them a little bit but uh if you don't have one of those big guys he's absolutely one of those guys that i would say you know what i i like this guy's talent and i like his opportunity the best and i could see him kind of catching a role and continuing to kind of do this kind of stuff going forward the touchdown you know, upside is going to be low in Miami because they don't score many of them. But uh, you'll take the yardage from tight ends, what they've done over the last four weeks. You'll take that yardage for sure. Yeah, if I've been streaming this position uh, for the last couple of weeks, Gasicki's the guy who I look at this week and say, all right, I, 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 you know, there's no streamers that are jumping out at me. This is a guy who I'm ready to give some run for a couple of weeks. Because uh, you said at the athleticism, 
uh, is unquestioned. Uh, it's huge. It's off the charts. And if uh, Devante or uh, if Preston Williams' knee injury uh, is something that is an issue, then Gasicki, I think that that volume uh, that he should get, that target share should increase pretty significantly. I think he easily becomes the number two pass catcher for this offense behind Devontae Parker if Preston Williams is out. So uh, Gasicki's a guy who uh, one of the maybe the only tight end that we're going to talk about who I like as anything more than a streamer, someone who I do think that we can roll right out there as a starter. Next couple of games, Colts, Bills, Browns, and Eagles. How about Noah Fant, uh, Funston, your guy here, uh, came up with a 75-yard touchdown in Brandon Allen's debut, caught three balls for 115 yards, and that score. This is another guy who we know athleticism, not an issue, a great catcher of the ball, and now maybe also the number two pass catcher on his team with Emmanuel Sanders gone. Deshaun Hamilton has been a ghost. Tim Patrick still uh, injured. Noah Fant could be the number two guy behind Cortland Sutton in this offense. Yeah, you know, uh, another guy you're not going to have to convince me uh, too hard to get on board with and ag- agreed. I mean, he, he needs more opportunities. They need to throw him the ball more. Uh, that's just been the issue so far, but he's had a, had a couple of big plays along the way. And certainly, um, you know, after this 115 yard performance with, with the 75 yard touchdown, maybe we'll see them look his way a little bit more. And, you know, we're more than half of the, of the season in. I know it's hard for uh, tight ends to assimilate as rookies to the NFL, but you start to get to that point where these guys are almost, you know, the rookie season's basically over and they're, they're getting to the point now where they've, they, the learning curve is going to be a lot less for them. And so, you know, maybe we'll see down the stretch them really looking at Noah Fant as, okay, we're playing out the string because we're, at this point, maybe they're still trying to hang on to that last playoff spot and try to get in there. They're not completely out of it. But at some point, they're going to have to start saying, we need to see how much we got from this guy for the future going forward. And I, I would expect that he'd start seeing a few more targets each game. Yeah, the only reason why I don't include him in that same group as Gesicki, um, as a, a, someone who, if I've been streaming the position, I'm ready to uh, roll with for, for a couple of weeks and see what he can give me, is that Denver has a bye this week. Uh, if yeah. Denver were playing this week, then I would maybe put him in that same group as Gesicki. But because of the bye, obviously, you can't do that. But uh, definitely someone who's going to be on our radar for the rest of the season. Uh, what do we what do we think about Chris Herndon? I mean, is there any value here? He he was he didn't play. I believe he was active for the Jets, but didn't uh, get on the field. Ryan Griffin has been a productive player the last couple of games for this team. Is this just a total lost year for Chris Herndon? I think it could be a total lost year for some of his fantasy owners. I mean, there's <laughs> there's conceivably going to be a bunch of fantasy owners that have held this guy all year long and and use the bench space on him because there's being okay i'll just hold him you know i've I, I saw him drafted in in the final rounds in plenty of drafts you know so you're and you knew going in yet four games out so those people presumably were like i'm gonna roster him until he's back and then he gets the hamstring injury and at that point are you really cutting him loose yet i mean there's some people that may never get anything out of him and, and they you know they went with a shortened bench because of it and if they don't make the playoffs they'll look back and say Man, Chris Herndon, what a tease, what a bust, you know, pick that was. And now you got Ryan Griffin playing really well. So when Herndon does come back, I wonder, you know, if they slow playing him a little bit out of the gate because he hasn't been healthy because Ryan Griffin's been playing pretty well. And so maybe, you know, for the next couple of weeks, you get limited snaps. He doesn't do a whole lot. And like I said, it's, it ends up being a lost season. So I get it. I mean, the guy's talented. It seems like, you know, if they turned him loose in this offense, he would have a, a pretty nice role and be able to make an impact there. But um, here we are. It's week 10, and we're, we've been talking about Chris Herndon 
an awful lot for not much to show for it. Yeah, I felt like we had to uh, include him. It was sort of our duty just because we've talked about him so much. But uh, because of the way Ryan Griffin's played recently, I'm pretty much out on Herndon uh, the rest of the season. I just don't think, I mean, you, you, you consider this entire offense and the construct of this offense and how much value there is in the passing game and you know Crowder and Anderson and Lev taking their targets uh, away, and then you've got uh, Ryan Griffin, who I think has to be uh, kept as part of the offense after the way he's played over the last couple of weeks. It just adds up to a pretty ugly situation for Chris Herndon. I do think this is a lost year for a tight end we were excited about uh, just a couple of months ago. Any streamers in this position jump out at you for Week Ten? Um, I, I've got Dallas uh, Goddard listed in here. He has a buy this week, so you know he's off the board there. But any of these other guys we have listed at the bottom of our uh, tight end sheet uh, come out at you as uh, guys you could stream if you're unable to get Gasicki or un- unable to, or obviously you can't play Fant, or maybe you like one or two of these guys better than Gasicki even for Week Ten. Uh, I think John o. Smith, I, I think I've talked about this before. To me, he's just Delaney Walker. Whenever Delaney Walker's out, you know, I can assume that we're going to have that potential for, you know, 50 yards and a touchdown kind of upside. And um, you get the Chiefs in week 10. It could be with Pat Mahomes back. And so this could be a game that it was a bit of a shootout. And I would I would like John o. Smith in that kind of an environment. Ryan Tannehill has been playing pretty well i mean they've been throwing the ball well so i think there's some upside for smith if he's out there again this next week yeah he fits that and uh for me i'll i'll uh, if i really need the help i'll uh take a look at cameron Brait and or oj howard an excellent matchup with the arizona cardinals that should be one of the highest scoring games of the weekend uh, i prefer johnny smith but if i can't have him if i can't have kasicki uh, and i still need some help with the position Brayton Howard are a couple of guys I would look at. I'd be more interested in Howard just because, you know, Brayton didn't even have a catch. And we saw uh, some of uh, Tampa Bay's other tight ends factoring into the offense in their loss to Seattle in week nine. So if Howard came back, at least even though it's been, you know, a total disappointment for him this season, at least we know where he stands compared with his other tight end teammates when he is healthy that jumps us into the stream discussion let's look at quarterbacks funston in week 10 uh, again i think we're going to see some people reaching down if they don't have backups tom brady Deshaun watson uh, gardner Minshew, uh, carson wentz all on by this week who do you like at this position in week 10 well i don't see how you can't like daniel jones against the jets in basically a double home game or a double road game however you want to look at it but uh the Jets have been a good matchup. You look at the Jets' last two against replacement quarterbacks, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Gardner Minshew. Uh, both those quarterbacks, 279 yards at least and, and three touchdown passes. And you got Daniel Jones coming off a good game with four touchdown passes against the Lions. Um, and we'll see what he does on, on Monday night. We're obviously taping this before this game. But I still th- think I'm going to end up liking Daniel Jones' matchup in this one against the Jets. So uh, – I. I, I will throw out Daniel Jones is probably one of my favorite ones. Yeah, Daniel Jones is right there for me as well as someone who I like a lot. I'll say Derek Carr, if he's available in your league, he's right at that uh, ownership rate threshold, uh, right around, uh, he's in the low 40s. So I'm cheating just a little bit. We usually try to keep this to 40% or less. Carr's right there, though, so I do want to mention him just because of how good this Oakland offense has been and how uh, how much he's been able to move the ball through the air with Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams. Uh, they play Thursday night football uh, against the Chargers this week. If Carr is not there for you, I actually look at the other side of uh, the game you mentioned, Funston. Sam Darnold, uh, you know, I know it's not been the prettiest uh, couple of games for him, but no one is afraid of this Giants defense. You can throw, throw, throw all over them. I'll, I'll make that bet. It's a, it's a home game for both of them. I'll make that uh, that bet that Darnold can, can take advantage of this Giants defense playing at home. 
having all those weapons available to him for the Jets. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is another guy who I would take a look at just because of what he's been able to do for Miami. A tougher matchup, however, with the Dolphins hitting the road to take on the Indianapolis Colts. How about the defenses, Funston? Uh, We talked before the show. We agreed that the first team we had to mention was the Baltimore Ravens. They, too, right at that ownership rate threshold where Derek Carr sits. They go to Cincinnati. If they are available in your league, you and I agree easily the number one defense that you want to be targeting to stream. But if the Ravens aren't out there, who's another one that you turn to? Uh, I will turn to Indy. Uh, I love the Indy matchup going against Miami. Miami is the second most uh, generous offense to opposing fantasy defenses. And you look at Indy, I think they've uh, had three or more quarterback sacks in five of eight games in Miami. Uh, they've given up 32 sacks on the year. They give a bunch of sacks. So I think Indy can get home, uh, you know, get to the quarterback often, or at least, you know, pressure him enough that there's going to be situations, opportunities for turnovers in that game. So I think Indy uh, as a plug and play, I like him an awful lot against Miami. Yeah, I like Indy a lot too, even though I said I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. In fact, I'm uh, I'm fading both of the quarterbacks who I recommended to stream, not Derek Carr, of course. Uh, even though I like Sam Darnold and I don't love the Giants' defense, uh, being a good defense and being a productive fantasy defense uh, are not necessarily one and the same. I, I think that the Giants, uh, with the way that Sam Darnold has been so giving with the ball, whether it be uh, via the interception or via the lost fumble. Uh, He has been a guy who's turned the ball over quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. I think we could have a a nice game out of the Giants, even if Sam Darnold puts up 24 or 27 points for the Jets. I still think you could get yourself a couple of sacks and maybe a couple of takeaways out of the Giants. It's not a great week for defenses to stream. That's not a surprise when you have six teams on by. Obviously, that uh, reduces the number of options that are available to us. Uh, I think the Giants are one that uh, if I'm unable to get the Ravens, if I'm unable to get the Colts, if I don't love the defense I already have on my roster, I'm comfortable streaming the Giants, hoping for a handful of sacks and maybe a takeaway or two against the Jets. Again, a home game for both of those teams, although technically it is the Jets who are the home team. That's going to do it for us on this edition of Wire to Wire in Week 10. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston and me at M. Beller. Don't forget about that 40% off deal. Go to theathletic.com slash wire to wire. Get yourself 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. That'll get you access to, among other things, Jake Seeley's waiver column, which we always recommend you pair with this show. That comes out midnight Eastern every single Monday, so you can take that. Jake's able to go a little bit deeper uh, in his column than we are in this show, so you put those two things together, and you can really have that waiver wire covered from all angles. For Brandon, I'm Michael. Thanks for listening. Good luck with your waiver bids. Have a great week.